we have already taken on attitudes, what we like and what we don't like. I like this person, I don't like this person. Now with this person I will do things willingly, with this person I'll do things un unwillingly. This may be two people, two aspects of life, two communities, two nations, two many things. This I will do willingly, this I do unwillingly. This means I've decided in my mind this is good, this is bad. When I hear even on national news channels, good guys and bad guys, it just… Once you have this kind of thing, you are going to be disastrous to the planet, it's just a question of time. The moment you decide this is a good person, this is a bad person, this has gone deep into American society, no. There are no good people and bad people. Everybody is oscillating between the two. If you create a very pleasant, wonderful atmosphere, everybody behaves wonderfully. If you create an unpleasant atmosphere, a whole lot of people act nasty. Yes or no? Anybody who is not like you is obviously bad, isn't it? <laughs> isn't it so? Those who are not like me must be bad people. Because the basis of goodness and what you think is goodness is decided by you. Now, you have no business to do that. Willing means this, I'm just willing. I'm a hundred percent yes to life. I'm not yes to this one, no to this one, no. I'm just yes and yes to life. If you are a hundred percent yes to life, you're a volunteer. You have become a willing life. You have become so willing that you have no will of your own. People ask me, Sadhguru, how do you operate with all these people? All kinds of horrible questions they're asking, they're doing this, they're doing that. I said, my life is not about them, it's about me. It's about how I am. It's about me. It doesn't matter how they are, that's their choice. But how I am is my choice, this is my way. No matter what they do, I'm like this. Because I have not given that freedom to anybody, that somebody can freak me, somebody can make me angry, somebody can make me happy, somebody can make me unhappy, these privileges I kept to myself. It's time you do that too. Because if somebody else can decide what can happen within you right now, isn't this the ultimate slavery? Huh? Isn't this? Someone else can decide. What should happen within you? What happens around you, of course, so many people decide. Hmm? What happens around us is not hundred percent ours, but what happens within me must be my making, isn't it? Right now, just about anybody can freak anybody because they're not volunteers, they're unwilling. But if you want to work with ideal people, you must go to heaven <laughs> and today. <laughs> and today. But if you think what you're doing is very significant, you must learn to work with all these horrible people. This is how the world is. If you think what you're doing is very significant, you learn to work with all kinds of people. You will see horrible people will do wonderful things. Yes? But if you want to work with ideal people, you won't find any. I haven't found one yet. <laughs> all kinds of mixed bags, but…
if you are willing that you are not yes and no, yes to one, no to another, you're simply one big yes, you will find a way. Back in September of 2005, I was on tour. I didn't do a lot of touring, but I did a couple of legs with this really awesome band that you might know called The Walkman. And The Walkman would play pretty good-sized venues, depends on what town we were in, and I would be the opener. I would actually be the opener of the opener, be the first person on the stage. And it was solo, and it was kind of a vaudevillian act. That first, the first leg we did, like I said, was September 2005, and it was through the South. And the whole point of the tour was to play shows on the way to Austin, Texas, because the Austin City Limits was happening, which was this big outdoor festival, and the Walkman were playing that, and that was a big payday. And we moved our way, you know, down through Nashville, and I can't remember, a couple other places, North Carolina, and we ended up basically in Baton Rouge, Louisiana. Yeah, that's right. We're in Baton Rouge, Louisiana, and we were playing a show in Baton Rouge. It was a really fun, rowdy crowd, like kind of like strangely rowdy. And after the show, we were in the parking lot, and we had just gotten news that this hurricane was moving up into the Gulf. And this was a year after Katrina had hit New Orleans, so everybody was on like high alert about hurricanes. And we're sitting there in the parking lot thinking... If we're leaving Beaumont for Austin, we're going to cut straight across. We're probably going to do three or four hours, and we're going to stop in Beaumont, Texas. And then we're going to wake up the next morning, we're going to go to Austin. That's what we would typically do. With this hurricane coming, we actually considered, like, do we go up and around Beaumont? Is that what we do? And even earlier that day, we'd been coming into Baton Rouge, and we saw, Walt and I saw, we went to the gas station, got some gas, and we saw people filling up gas tanks you know, separate gas tanks. And we remember distinctly both of us laughing at these people. Like, look at these people. What are they doing? Then This later would be, we would not be laughing about this at all. Like, we would have basically killed for a Coca-Cola bottle of gas. So anyways, you know, out of the club, Baton Rouge, we decide, you know what, let's just, this couldn't be that serious. Let's just cut across. We'll wake up really early tomorrow morning. This hurricane's not going to touch us. Not really considering the fact that Katrina had happened a year earlier and that everybody in Southeast Texas was about to be evacuated from Southeast Texas. Millions and millions of people were going to be told to leave their homes. You know, not when the hurricane hit, you know, that's not when you evacuate. You evacuate a day or two before the hurricane hits, which is exactly when we were heading for Beaumont. So the next morning we wake up. And it's like, the motel is like a ghost town. It's post-apocalyptical. It's kind of zombie-like. And finally we get in the car and we take this, we don't head for the big interstate. We head for this back road, trying to game it as much as possible. And that's a whole journey. You know, that's a story for another time. There was tons of what we call balljacking and it really was 
27 hours straight in the car. Okay, that's what it was. It was 27 hours straight in the car, going really slow, stopping, starting again. You know, by the end, just like we're driving four abreast on this two-lane road, inching along, hearses and ambulances are going in the other direction. It's like four in the morning. And of course, we're, we barely have gas. You know, we had gassed up. That was one thing. We had gassed up the night before in Beaumont. So that's one good move we made. But by the time we get to this final turn, it's just this one turn on this road. This is the total bottleneck. This is like 23 hours worth of bottleneck. Finally turn, we start hitting open road, and there's a gas station. There's a gas station probably only a couple miles from this turn, and that's what we turn into to gas up. Now, of course, the gas station is just totally mobbed. Now, that's the setup for the story. I thought best thing to do is call Walt Martin, who was in the car with me the whole time, to describe what that gas station was like. We get to, we take that left turn and we start like open roading it, but we also need gas. So we pull into this gas station. It had to have been just a mile or two after that left turn. What's the scene like? Do you remember? There were people that were, what were they doing? People, there was like, there was, there was like kind of a fight or something. There were yes. people that were trying to cut the line. And there yeah. were, there was a couple of Mexican-American guys with gas tanks. Right, 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 right. And do you remember the yeah, guy who took their gas tanks and threw them away? And then he cut us in line. Oh, I do remember that. Yeah. That so was this, crazy. That, it was yes. a scary scene. It was a scary scene. Now, so just to be clear, correct me if I'm wrong, this totally, like, vanilla-looking guy, you know, looked like a marketing manager, he was behind us. But the Mexican-American guys were filling up their gas tank. He goes up to them, shoves them, and throws their tanks before they can fill up. We're, like, next to go. We are next to go. And then he gets in his car and cuts in front of us and pumps up. At which point the van was also pumping up. And do you remember what happened when we pulled up to pump up? When the van did? No, when we did. When we did. No. You don't remember I don't think so. No. They shut off all the pumps. Oh, my God. I remember that. Yes. Literally. <laughs> because it was getting, like, crazy. And so he's like, I'm shutting off the pumps. The guy just took it upon himself to shut off the pumps. It wasn't that they were out of gas. He just shut off the pumps. Yeah. So I went in the store, and it's like a Indian-American guy running this convenience store gas station. And he had a legitimate reason, because it really did feel like a riot could happen at that place. Right. And there were gas station riots during that traffic jam. So, you know, in some ways I could see where he was coming from. But when I went inside with some other people, he was like, oh, out of gas, we're out of gas. And none of us believed that. And then this African-American woman was like, you don't want me to get my son. Because if I have to get my son in here, you're not going to like it. And then, <laughs> oh, really? Yeah, and then her son came in, and he had to have been six, seven, and like 400 pounds. I mean, he was a giant. He was a giant. He was very gentle. He was like, Mom, what are you doing? And then I said to the guy, I'm going to get you arrested. You are in an, an emergency situation, and you have cut off the gas. 
in an emergency situation, and we're going to get you arrested for doing that. And that is why he put the gas back on, I'm pretty sure, because he put it on right away. Oh, wow. But it was, so describe a little bit more of, like, how you were feeling in the gas station. Uh, it, it was definitely, it was scary, it was scary, you know, it was, I was feeling like I was in a really bad situation, and like, like, uh, yeah, like, it felt like a riot was going to break out, or like something, people were desperate. But I do remember that the van got gassed up first, and I always felt like Matt was ready to abandon me, and basically say, <laughs> hey, Walt, get in the van. Yeah. Jeremy and I were leaving Norma behind. I was just like, oh, shit. like, all right, yeah, let's go. <laughs> so what happened? We finally got gas, and then we were on. Then we had open road, right? Right. Oh, yeah. And then it was amazing. Then we had that beautiful long drive, and then what did we do? We got the Austin, and we got burritos or something. Yep. I mean, I don't think I've ever felt that content. It did feel really amazing. I tell you. That day was magical. Once we were past that, was that the the weirdest thing that ever happened to you on tour or not? Yes, I would say yeah. I would say so, probably, yeah. 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 The uh, most, yeah, yeah, probably. The most dramatic, most sort of... I mean, the gas station really felt like a TV show, like a made-for-TV movie type moment, where, like, <laughs> someone's about to knock over all of the Pepsi bottles and, right. like, shots are going to ring out here. Right, it did yeah. feel like that. Yeah, yeah. And we were in Texas, you know, those people are crazy. Well, that's true. We were in Texas. Although I'm, I'm seeing one way, we were the worst behaved people in Texas. Because we were cutting them all oh. off. I mean, how like many, how many thousands of people did we cut off? A lot. I mean, Probably just, about a thousand. It was just awful. And then at the end, all that was left were ball jackers, you know? Like, literally everyone around us had ball jacked their way to the pump. So it was a shameful, shameful collection of ball jacking cars as ambulances and hearses struggled through the underbrush to get back to people who needed ambulances yeah. and hearses, you know. But you know what? I, I'm okay, you know. I'm, I think my karma odometer is about to turn over and go back to zero, so that's good. You know, I've, run it up so high that I think it's actually about to turn over to zero. So just have to stay alive. Do a couple more bad things.